One, two, three, four. Palapalooza. Palapalooza. We're talking to you. I'm Palapalooza. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Palapalooza Podcast, episode 124. This week we check in with an uber-talented local musician, Ryan Hiller, a solo artist who has recently collaborated with the singer of Rascal Flats. He's staying very busy during COVID. He had a drive through show with Whitney Shea that we'll talk about. He was nominated for a San Diego Music Award. A very talented guy. It was a pleasure chatting with him. Lyric, how are you doing? My daughter, my seven-year-old, she's home, schooled right now. Great. I get to stay home. I can do homeschool here, and I've always wanted to do homeschool. I am currently Mr. Cook at the Cook Residence. Thank you guys again for tuning in. Here we go, our episode with Ryan Hiller. Ryan Hiller, funk, soul, rock and roll from San Diego. Uh, how are you, my friend? Welcome to 2020. Doing great. Yeah, thank you. I, I can't wait for 2021. Dude, I know. But, you know, we have so much to talk about, and I'm so excited to talk to you. You've done a, a drive-in event, which we'll get to. Uh, you collaborated with someone rather famous and talented. We'll get to that as well. But just in general, uh, COVID and the music scene, man, what are your thoughts? Oh, man. Well, it just kind of, you know, I think for speaking on behalf of all musicians that I know, you know, and, and myself, obviously, it's just been a kind of re reinventing yourself kind of year. I talked to some of my buddies or and, and, and you know, girlfriends, every, everybody out there um, that's a musician is either writing music or practicing. There's a lot more time to do that. And because uh, obviously gigs are, are kind of um, it's like the dark ages for gigs. Right, but, but there are there is a positive aspect to it too, you know. Um, there always is. There, there yeah. certainly is. And, and what is that, Ryan? <laughs> For me personally, it's just been um, exploring other things. Um, sure. Uh, um, definitely, like just trying to take a bird's eye view of, you know, running the like being a full time musician. It's it's you're also mm -hmm. running a business. So I've, I've used this time on, I should have, you know, probably had an, a full length album like a couple of my friends have done, but, but, uh, right. but instead I, I just use this time to kind of sharpen the business skills a little bit. Cause you know, um, marketing and advertising and, um, I had to learn how to do payroll, <laughs> which is wow. the most boring, horrible thing ever. Are you doing this full time? Is this your primary source of income? Yeah, actually today okay. is my 37th birthday and um wow, happy birthday, my, dude. 37th. Yeah, thank you. 37 my 37 times around the sun. Yeah, and I I've never had a job, a regular job. Right on. Good for you, dude. Never had a W2 or a boss. I've just been a full-time musician. I have a a wife and two two beautiful daughters. They're 2 and 4 years old. 2 and, and 4, I, and, okay. Yeah, my wife uh she was working, but now, you know, she she stays home to watch the kids, so there's a lot of a uh, lot of pressure on my back, you know, to, to feed the fam and pay the mortgage and and do that whole thing. So I think, but luckily, music has enabled me to do that, you know, following my passion and and um, I've had to be creative, you know, to, to to figure out ways to to make that happen. But very very grateful to 
live in a place where where we can do this you know it's and there's many other people i know that are doing it as well and and that that is the positive takeaway so that's incredible. Great for, great for you, man. I, I DJ. I'm a musician. I play in a local band, but that doesn't make me any money. And I, I DJ events, and that's made me a really great uh, living ever since uh, up until March, you know, of 2020. That's um, awesome. What do you play? So I, I sing and play guitar in sort of a punk rock band. Uh, we're called Ready, Set, Survive. We were awesome. nominated with you last year, bro. I know you're a San Diego uh, music nominee for Best Singer-Songwriter. Uh and, uh, you know, so I tuned into the, the virtual stream San Diego Music Awards. What, what are your thoughts on that? They, yeah, that was so cool. They were able to still do that, even though, uh, you know, the, the in-person thing was shut down. And it's, it's, it's really cool how, you know, uh, you know, the San Diego Music Awards and, and all, a lot of like the belly up and a lot of, a lot of our local uh, venues around town. Um, we could go on and name them all, but they're, they're, we're all finding ways to, to keep the music alive. And, um, and streaming has been kind of a, a saving grace. Uh, for me particularly, I, I've, I've done some streaming gigs, you know, paid gigs during this time. And that's really helped uh, financially keep, keep things moving forward. Um, however, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a good it. thing to get into. I mean, uh, as a viewer and a fan, it's pretty cool, you know, watching your favorite musician. But yes, we did one in my backyard and staring into a camera instead of 100, 200 fans is very different and very, it's a challenge, right? Yeah, I've been doing some, you know, some corporate ones and, you know, getting paid, paid, paid some good money. And there's like, so one of them I did on Microsoft teams and there's like, I think five, four or 500 people there. I mean, you see the number of people wow. and you're like, wow. Now, how many of those people are really watching? Number one, number two, they have all got their screens and their microphones off. So you really just feel like, wow, there's, am I really playing to 400 people or, or am I just like, playing to my computer screen <laughs> it's just so i don't know and then at the end of every song like instead of hearing applause or or feeling an energy from a room it's just like i'm just staring at the wall of my studio i mean i'm glad that we're all coming together and and some of these clients and you know other music fans out there are are supporting us artists and you know trying to keep the lights on so to speak but God, I can't wait until we're we're with each other again because music is it's the universal language, but it, it requires us to kind of be together and and feed. There's an en energy that that's involved with a live performance that's just you cannot recreate with a streaming show. Totally agree. Totally agree. There's an exchange of energy, and uh, you know this is a quote unquote new normal. We're hearing that a lot, but I certainly hope it isn't. Yeah. You mentioned corporate events. Is that sort of where your, your primary source of income is? I, I know how much uh, money there can be in, in corporate events. Absolutely. Cor that, that, I'd say pri the private event world is where I make my money. Yep. And then I, and then I, you know, that's what keeps me, you know, that's how I feed the family and pay the bills. And then, um, and then as far as like, you know, where the heart and soul is, it's the, the live original shows. Um, right on. So I've got, three albums out. I've actually, I've actually written, got four albums 
uh, well, I guess two of them are, are EPs. So two full-length <laughs> albums and two EPs. Get it and right, man. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I'll get some, get some hate mail. Hey, did you know the difference between a full-length album and an EP? But anyway. What is the difference? I think it has to do with the amount of time, right? Is Yeah, EP, I think it has to do with like a record. So like LP is... Is, is it, I think it stands for long long play or something, uh, and an EP is extended. I don't know. They, they stand for something, but it has to do with how much fits on the on the actual product. So now that everything's digital, it's kind of irrelevant. But yeah, my two EPs have six songs each on them. Um, how how it works was the last one I did. How it works, nobody knows. Gears keep on turning, but nothing will show. A certain direction wherever life will go Said how it works when I just gotta know And then the one before that was called um, The Pure Project Living in the middle to put me in the middle of where we are today Well don't you worry about an answer, there's a way much faster But you gotta have money to play well, no. The Pure Project was, I just kind of did that here at Signature Sound Studio with a, a local engineer, Ian Sutton And we stayed, we, I didn't have any money I got some killer local musicians to play on it, though. Um, Kevin Cooper, who I still play with, great bass player. He's probably one of the top called guys in town, and so he awesome. played on that record. And I got some. Um, I don't have the. I, I got a bunch of people to sit in, and but it was the kind of thing where we we went in the studio at 11 p.m. and and worked until 4 a.m. You know, and yeah. so it was it was that kind of thing. And then and then the, actually the guy who did the artwork on that did the dragon for Stone Brewing. Wow. So that was like back two eight two thousand eight two thousand nine yeah and he uh, he's like yeah well I just got this gig and I'm like wow that dragon's pretty cool would you do my would you do my CD cover so for any of your listeners if you go to Spotify and you check or Amazon or wherever you go for yeah. music iTunes look up Pure Project and you'll see that album cover is yeah, that's Stone Brewing that's their their artist that's really cool yeah and then how it works I did with. Um, this producer I met up in Hollywood, his name is Andrew Williams. He's um, an awesome producer. He got an incredible, you know, uh, discography. But uh, that was where I really learned a lot about what you can do with modern technology. Because he basically, when I went to interview with him, he just had like this tiny little room, and and. I was just shocked to hear that all the all the stuff that he was coming out with, uh, he just did there, you know. So wow. that was yeah. like a kind of like a little college course in recording, working with him on that album, and um, yeah. And then my last, my most recent one was with uh, local record label Pacific Records. Of course. Um, yeah, and and that one was very similar. Um, I did about almost. So I built after I did the how it works. Uh, record i built my own studio so i've got uh here in my wow. home here in, in 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 claremont san diego here uh i've got a yeah. separate like studio out back and with a little sound room and and uh did about 95 percent of that record there and then we just mixed it with pacific records and and Very and cool. actually did the drums in a, in a in a live room as, as well but um but yeah it's pretty cool how you know, I think that's probably how most independent artists are doing it th these days. Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of DIY and a lot to learn with uh, with technology uh, advancements and everything. Who, who runs Pacific Records? It's on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, Brian Whitkin. Whitkin, okay. 
yeah cool, and I'm the on guy the website right now yeah so he he uh he he's kind of the biz, business uh you know the business guy and then and um the the dude i worked with mostly uh patricio pixelay he yeah. um yeah we worked together and we had cool. actually crossed paths years ago i so i moved here from new orleans after katrina and i oh, was wow, uh, yeah i just <laughs> Basically, Katrina hit, and I was in a band in New Orleans. We had toured the country a few times, and I wow. just literally got a map, and I, I was like, "Where's what's the nicest city that we <laughs> that we toured in?" And it, I was like, "San Diego." <laughs> we played Winston's, yeah. I think, in two thousand three or two thousand four, and it was just packed full of people, and everybody was so nice. And I served for the first time that that day, cooking it up big time at the pier. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but pe- yeah. people were really nice, and and uh, I just had a great experience, and it stuck with me. And when that storm hit, um, I packed up a trailer with a bed and a desk. I think that's all I owned at the time, and I showed up wow. to San Diego. And the first job I got was teaching guitar le- guitar lessons, and uh, Patricio was. Uh, we were just doing the same. I think working for the same place or something like that. So that's where I first met him, and then. And, that's and then I guess, yeah, and I guess like ten years later or fifteen years later, however long it was, we we started making an album together. So it was pretty cool. Incredible! That's a great story, man. And then you met your wife out here in San Diego or in New yeah. Orleans? Oh no, out here. And so so I came out here to San Diego, wow. and my wife. Um, this, this is funny. So I, you know, had to kind of start all over again, music wise, and was yeah. just teaching guitar lessons and. One of the girls I was teaching guitar lessons to, I, I uh, she had a a, sist- a younger sister that had a babysitter, and I was telling her parents, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I just, I got these concert tickets, I can't find a date, like I, they're like, why don't you take out her babysitter? So I took her out out on a blind date, and uh, here we are. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. So Katrina, as awful as it was, obviously, was sort of a, a blessing in disguise for you. Absolutely. I think I think all, you know, everything ha- kind of happens. I'm one of those that think, I, I think there's a little bit of fate involved in right. the things that come around and it's all good. You know, it's all, it's all. Right. I do too, man. I really do. As long as you have your your eyes open and you're you're in present time and you're there to to capture it and take advantage of of those opportunities, you know. And yeah, exactly, and not not to get too beaten down when life kicks you in the balls, you know. Yeah, <laughs> which happens. Yeah, Definitely. you just got to keep try to try to keep positive if if you can, and just keep moving sure. forward. I think. Uh, yeah, because then things eventually work out, you know. So yeah. I, I notice a lot of similarities with the whole COVID thing and, and Katrina. It seemed, there's like, I don't know, it feels, but, but this whole, uh, this year feels even a little bit crazier because it's, you know, it's happening everywhere, you know, not just in one city. Yeah. I feel like it's a giant test, Yep. you know, and now, now Facebook is stopping streams and it's like, what is happening here? Are they... <laughs> You know, is the planet trying to kill musicians? <laughs> I'm, I know. I'm kidding, of course, but there's a, there's a lot of obstacles, and it feels like a, a test in a lot of ways. It really is for musicians. I think I don't know. Like one of my one of my favorite things to do. I mean, is this what we're doing right now? Talking to other musicians. I especially in March and April. I I mean, I love my wife to death, and I love my parents and my brothers, and but I can't really 
the, the mm-hmm. people that really have gotten me through this are, are some of my my fellow colleagues, my, you know, musicians that are working musicians that have a similar s- situation. And it's like, yeah. man, it, it really is scary because our livelihoods are totally threatened. But but talking right. to one another and, and strategizing and, you know, it's very therapeutic. Uh, and it's not just musicians. I mean, I'm sound guys and, and um, sure. talent bookers and, and, you know, booking agents and, and event planners and coordinators. And, right. I mean, the list goes on. There's so much totally. into a live event, uh, and everybody in that space is, is totally... I don't know if we can cuss on this, but uh, fucked. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's drop our first F-bomb. It's such a supportive community, too. You mentioned relying on uh, colleagues and other musicians. I don't know if you want to shout out a few, but there's so many people here in San Diego that help, you know, and that, you know, like Tim Mays of the Casbah and all the venues here doing their streams and uh, Tim Piles, of course, and podcasters. And it's it's seriously the kind of thing that I could probably get choked up and teary-eyed if I, if I talked about it for long enough, because it really is just an amazing community for music. And you picked the right city, bro. You really did. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And you know, it's a diverse, it's a diverse city and, and there's a lot of opportunity for a lot of different kinds of artists, you know? Um, right. And, and what you, the, the names you just mentioned, I mean, we, we could go on and on. That's how awesome it is here. Um, yeah. another difference between San Diego and other, other cities, like I was going to go to LA and you know, some of the bigger cities, obviously the uh, the business is a lot larger, but it's so, so much more, uh, I think it felt to me, it's, it's more of a cutthroat kind of vibe. For, for instance, like as, as a guitar player, you know, um, down here in San Diego, I feel like I could call anyone to sub and like, no, yeah. you know, without any sort of fear of, oh, they're going to you know, they're going to want to take my gig or, you know, we're all just all there for each other. New Orleans was very similar actually too. I mean, you just, people call each other, Hey, come sit in, come, you know, it's just more of a communal thing. And and there's, there's so much work, there's enough work to go around. So I, that's kind of the energy I get from San Diego. And I, that's why I'm still here. You know, I I just, I did not think I was going to be here this long and I don't have any real desire to go anywhere else. So, it's a great city. I mean, you mentioned corporate events, and it's a destination city. You know, there's a lot of tourism. A lot of people come here. A lot of people throw weddings, 30,000 weddings a year. I would say that's my kind of my industry. I'm sure you do a lot of weddings, and we'll have to team up, dude, actually. <laughs> we have to do that. Yeah, it's so funny because I – so D, you, you mentioned you're a DJ. You're a guitar player and a singer, and then you DJ. So, like, yeah. back in the day, I was like just – I mean, sorry, DJs out there, but I was <laughs> totally hating on DJs because I was so jealous, like <laughs> – you know, you guys just go in there with, you know, playing other people's music and you get huge crowds. And anyway. No, I hear that. I'm both, dude. So I see, but I see the demand for DJs and I see the the amount of money that you can make doing that, uh, especially for like weddings and corporate. And that's exactly what happened. So basically, yeah. basically what happened with me is I, I, um, I was at a gig and I, I was at a wedding gig actually. And, you know, I brought all the, you know, speakers and mixers and microphones and everything to facilitate the the first part, the cocktail hour and the ceremony. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, 
a DJ comes in, sets up the same amount of equipment, and as for all the musicians listening, you know that's the work. That's really a, a big part of the work is is lugging that shit around. Once <laughs> right. once you get uh, you know to just show up and play, it's 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 a game changer. But anyway, <laughs> I was thinking about that the other day. Like, God, could I pay someone a hundred bucks to to load in and and uh, load out for me? You know, a hundred <laughs> or or something. You know, yeah, it's it really is a pain, especially when you start getting older. Yeah, and then you and it's and it makes your two hour gig a four hour gig, or maybe exactly. even a five hour yeah. gig door to door. So, so anyway, yeah. I saw the DJ do that, and that very night I went home and I bought my first set of turntables, <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> it's like ten years ago. So I've been DJing this whole time, and now I have, you know, I was just an idiot. It, it, there is something to it, and of course you could just go and press play and pause and fade in and out. But once you start right. kind of getting into it more and you know, I really have a, a respect for the old school guys who, who drop oh vinyl goodness. and they've got to time oh, it perfectly and, you know, memorize their keys and they've actually got crates full. I mean, now it's Insanity. all evolved and you you can auto detect BPM and, and right. key signatures and everything else. But I mean, it's really fun. I encourage any musician out there who hasn't tried it to just go download a... Because... Uh, a musician DJing, it's you, you approach it differently than a kid right. who's just starting out, and they're just—it's more like a video game, you know, for some people. Yeah. But yeah, but it, if you already know and understand music, it's—it's it's actually kind of fun. You can remix stuff, and yeah, it is. It's cool. It's a great career, and uh, like like you, I've been able to make a living doing that for um, quite quite a few years. I've worked a lot of other jobs as well, but. Uh, you have to be comfy on the mic. You have to know what you're doing for weddings, for sure. If if a technical issue comes up, there's like you said, it's it's it can be pretty involved, um, but it's fun. I mean, at the end of the day, you're you're a part of someone's best day, and it's for the most part a pretty lively uh, and and positive experience. Absolutely, that's my little niche uh, for you know what I notice with weddings. Uh, so I actually have a business. It's called SoCal Wedding Music, and. Um, Okay. One of the hats that I wear, and that that evolved because the, from the story I just previously mentioned is uh, people hired they heard me playing guitar at a bar, or, you know, saw me somewhere, and then they'd want me to do just a small part of their wedding, but they're like, hey, for dancing, you know, we we kind of need a whole band, and I've got that too. But the problem with a a good wedding band or a good corporate band is they're expensive and. Most normal people don't have that kind of a budget, you know, for for their wedding. So I was like, why don't I just uh, do the live for the, you know, the important parts and then maybe from give you a little cocktail hour dinner kind of music like you would hear at a restaurant kind of thing. And then um, fire up the turntables for pe when people are ready to dance and kind of solve that problem. And now there's a few people out there doing that as well. And it's great because it's it's a way for us to uh, to monetize our passion and actually, you know, continue doing what we love to an extent. You know, absolutely, man. That's very smart of you for sure. Uh, ceremony cocktail and then fire up the turntables. Yeah, you're you're a one man show. One man show, baby. Yeah, well, we'll definitely have to exchange. My my company is TNT Entertainment. Oh, I've seen you guys around. Yeah. Yeah, we, we advertise and we're on Yelp and all over the place. So we'll link up, dude. Dude, we got to link up. There's there's only a few of us doing that around, you know, really. I mean, there's a couple of my – one of my – There's quite a few DJs. Yeah, there's a lot of DJs out there. A lot, a lot of, of DJs. DJs. 
and then there's some really great bands like full full bands yep yeah but everybody's yep. got to find a niche in this business if you're going to do it full time you know and there's nothing wrong with having a day job if because really where all of our hearts are i'm speaking kind of just from my observation of talking to all musicians i think where our all of our hearts are are and it's touring and playing live shows live original music is like right that's yep. really where it's at it's just this are, i don't know you want to talk about the music business i just feel like it's uh you just mentioned live like facebook canceling streams and you know and trying to make it on the road uh just doing original tunes at when you're when you're mostly playing for the door in a city you've never been to and you're trying to get your name out there i mean the common denominator, I feel like, for most people trying to do that for for a full time career is, you either have to have like a pretty big record deal, so you got to have some money, you know, funding that, or you or you don't, or you have to have a good cushion of money. It's almost impossible to like unless someone's got some, unless you have some other things to add to like, just get your guitar and go on the road and and try to come home with money still left in your bank account without any right. other support networks, you know? Right. Um, and I'm speaking from experience, so. Yeah. You certainly have more experience on the road and in the industry than, than I do, and I, I couldn't tell a musician how they make it in this day and age. I've talked to so many bands like P.O.D. and Unwritten Law and Sprum Monkey who are still sort of scraping by with, as big of a name that, that they have, you know, and not to hate on them. It's just the, the industry has changed so much. Um, I feel like what you're doing is probably the most potential corporate covers. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I do? I throw in my original music. So, I, you know, I'll totally. do covers to, I use the covers to like lure the fish and then I'll, and then I'll yep. play a couple originals and they'll be like, Oh, the clap. And what was that song? Oh, it's, my original song here. Why don't you check this out? I got a CD here. And now, honestly, yep. I I just give the now CDs are so antiquated. No one's using them. I just give them right. pretty much give them away. You know, for the most part, it, it's not really about that. It's just spreading. You know, totally. try to get people to land on your Spotify and listen and really listen to your your songs. But the way yeah. I feel like the big the music business works is you got to have a, a ton of money. To, to distribute and market and advertise and the only people who and it's still the record labels that control that the big ones the indie labels really can't can't get you on the radio unless they've you know unless they're a bigger indie label of course you know Pacific Records is kind of a smaller local label you get some of these big you know bigger indie labels and at that, that point they're probably still they might have an affiliation with the larger one but but that's when you start seeing things shift is uh, I always talk. I, I was like talking about like the Taylor Swift stories and and don't hate on me if this is not 100 percent accurate. This is what I've been told, <laughs> but I've been told it from a couple different uh, sources. So I think it might be true is basically, you know, her, her dad was like super wealthy and uh, invested in her first album. And I, th- I heard something like half a million to a million dollars or something like some serious dough and then and then had a distribution deal through whatever he was doing with uh best buy uh walmart this is back when cds were still a thing uh Mm -hmm. flooded them with all of her new newly recorded cds and then and then they hired teams across the country to go buy them all up 
And oh, then when wow. that happened, when that happened, it, they basically her dad made her go gold, basically. And then the wow. the offers came. She got on once she went gold. She had all this, you know, momentum and buzz, and just right went wow. straight to the stations. So that's interesting. That's kind of brilliant. You know, yeah, <laughs> you buy your way into going gold just to put you on the map. Yeah, and I mean, it, look at what a great investment. Well, I mean, if, if <laughs> yeah. you were her dad, I I would do that for my daughters if I could. You know, what a great investment. But but it goes goes right. to show you there. You know, for all the all the listeners out there and all the musicians that don't have that kind of access, um, it, it you can't. You know, there are like some of the people who make it that big. They, they, there's help before they started. Before they picked up the guitar, there were opportunities, and it's really tough. If you've written some great songs and you're just on the road, you know, without capital behind you, it it's uh, it's tough. But it, people do it all the time. There's still amazing stories being told um, right? of people, you know, making it. So so it's not saying don't do it, but don't get hard on hard on yourself when. Well, then I'm telling I'm kind of that's what I tell myself too. It's like I've been doing this 37 <laughs> years, like. Yeah. I'm so happy and grateful I get to pick up my guitar and feed my family with it. But even if it's not the way that, you know, I would prefer to do it, it's still, I'm still very happy that this city and, and the people around this city and, you know, th there's opportunity here for, for us to uh, do what we love. Absolutely, man. What were your influences getting into music? I hear a little like Stevie Ray Vaughan in your playing. I'd say probably one of my biggest, my biggest influences, absolutely. Stevie Ray Vaughan, definitely. You know, when I was a kid, um, my parents played. So I kind of was raised on like the American Songbook and I still heavily influenced by like Van Morrison, um, yeah. Bob Seger and, you know, Bob Dylan, all those old folk kind of, you know, uh, I guess now you call it like adult contemporary or oldie kind of music. Then, right. then we, um, then I discovered Jimi Hendrix, and Jimi Hendrix led to Steve Ray Vaughan, and then that whole, you know, blues rock, Clapton, you know, um, and then I got into jazz in high school because it was the only kind of place I could, I could, uh, you know, play my guitar at school. Yeah. Became a total jazz band nerd, and then I ended up, you know, going to uh, New Orleans to study it, but. The whole time I was in New Orleans and studying jazz, I wasn't really playing jazz uh, out in public. It was mostly like in, in Salt Lake City where I was born. I went to high school in Park City, Utah, and we, we I was in this awesome like hip-hop jazz group, kind of like The Roots, you know? There was a stand-up sure. bass and uh, yeah. an MC, uh, and it was kind of just... Um, but we had some killer gigs, like opened up for Black Eyed Peas and... Played the 2002 wow. Winter Olympics and wow. uh, opened up for John Schofield and it was really Very a cool, cool project. And then when I moved to New Orleans, uh, I was doing a lot of like I played in the gospel choir. Um, I was the okay. only white boy in like a congregation of 2,000 <laughs> people. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but that was I'd attribute that experience probably the one of the most educational, real world like. Yeah, those those musicians that play in those southern gospel churches, and even some out here, I've I've heard too. The music is just so um, 
intense and there's so many chord changes and rhythmic things happening and there's no music i I never i don't think i ever saw anyone reading anything it's just it's you know the tune or you don't know the tune and you've got your ears open and you're following the leader yeah it looks like we're heading into the orange tier we're late september here and I personally don't like all these color codes and, you know, I don't like all the government control, man. I, I get it. It's so hard. It's so hard to know. Like, but I think that, like, some people are doing some really, uh, like, innovative things. Like, my, my, I got a buddy, Jimmy Langley, who he owns uh, some restaurants up in um, Pacific Highlands. And there's a big courtyard in the middle there. And yeah. uh, I'll give him a shout out too. It's uh, Death by Tequila and uh, Woku and Breakfast Republic and in between all those restaurants. So they all have patios outside and they're all complying with all the, you know, the, the governmental things. But in the, in, the, in the courtyard there, they've got a space and now they're starting to book live music. So, cool. you know, the people are out there and being... Uh, you know, social distancing and doing their thing, but they're, but they're together also. And it's a big enough space where you can get food and, and you can listen to live music. And so if enough places see that model and how well it's working, I think, I think we're going to have music come back because it, obviously it it draws people to, to that place. You know, people who are on the other side of the shopping center, they see people over there and they're, listening to good music and they're eating and drinking they're gonna be attracted to that and when other businesses see that that's working i think it'll catch on and musicians will start seeing uh, a resurgence of work i think it's all about being outdoors for the most part right and fortunately throughout the summer it worked we're in san diego but in the fall that's going to be a little more difficult once it starts quote unquote raining here in san diego <laughs> raining for the what the 10 days a year it does i hope we get rain how long has it been since it's rained uh usually i don't know uh well last thanksgiving rained <laughs> yeah yeah a year so ago november you know it usually starts in november but you know i i did my first wedding to to release some uh, personal information i did my first wedding last weekend uh the end of september since march uh, my company had a couple, but I was trying to stay sort of cautious uh, for the household. And it was not COVID-friendly. I'm not going to shout out the venue, but they're getting away with it because it's an indoor-outdoor venue. And all of the windows were... Uh, I'm sorry, they have these like sliding doors that open up. So it's, it's kind of indoor-outdoor, but... You know, no one was wearing masks. Uh, everyone was dry humping on the dance floor. You know, it's now was dry humping with a mask dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> I guess not. Maybe not, dude. I don't know. But it, yeah, I know. I saw this thing the other day where this guy's taking video. Uh, it's like this viral meme, and there's a couple on the dance floor making out, and they both have masks on. You know, they're just going, they're going at it and they both have these masks on. Um, it's a bizarre year. Yeah, I feel like that could be like some sort of like thing that if you Google, you, you, you might find some things you're not. Well, maybe you are looking for. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Dry humping with a mask. Could be an album name. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest, you're, I think you're one of the 
most full-time musicians I've had on the podcast. I know you performed with Whitney Shea. We can talk about that. I believe she's full-time. I could be wrong. She is. Yeah, she is. Yeah, I want to talk all about that, dude. That was a drive-in concert at the uh, Del Mar Fairground, so we're talking about adapting. How was that for you, dude, like playing to a bunch of cars? So, yeah, let me, and I just want to uh, give Josh Jose from the Acoustic Spot a huge shout-out because he he probably did one of the, he took one of the biggest risks and made one of the biggest, like, moves during this time. Um, and I, I just... He's got some big balls, some big cojones for doing this because it took an, an, a big, you know, uh, investment from him. He's in a si- similar situation. He is both Whitney, Rebecca, my booking agent for a lot of oh, wow. local, local. Uh, in normal times, he books like a lot of the restaurants around town. And then he also books um, some corporate events. Mm. But but yeah, so he basically said he, he hit me up and he said, you know, what do you think about you know, bring, getting getting a, an out, big outdoor spot, space and then having doing a drive-in concert. And I was like, man, I it sounds amazing, but I don't know how it's going to work, dude. I, I never done one. Like, right. logistically, how are people going to hear it? And is, is what's the sound going to be like? Mm-hmm. And long story short, he, he hired this great local uh, sound guy, Mel, Melvin Cannon. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Uh, you know, he's got awesome gear and... He and his team set up this great stage with great sound. They were able to stream the sound to FM or to some right. station. And the turnout was insane. I mean, I just couldn't believe it was like one of the best shows I've played in a long time, even before COVID. I mean, the, the turnout was amazing. Right. And then I opened up for Whitney Shea with uh, my buddy. I just did my, my duo looping kind of. Played a lot of original music. Played played a couple covers and high energy show, and it just was just the energy was like electric. Um, after every song, cars yeah. would honk their horns and flash their lights, yeah. and some people each each car had like it, their own little space so they could they could uh, have a, a chair and table, you know, and they could have some drinks and right. you know people were distanced from one another yeah. and. People could dance in their own little space, you know, <laughs> on uh, top of their car, <laughs> and it just was, it was cool. It was really cool. It was, uh, it was probably the coolest thing ever. And now, I've seen that. Um, oh, and I got to play with Whitney Shea. She put an, on an awesome show. She had her entire band awesome. there. Awesome. Very so, cool. Um, we did a couple tunes together, and yeah, it was just a, it was a very warm, cuddly, happy, yeah. you know, love yeah. fest basically. And yeah, and I, I think. It's catching on around the country. I mean, if you Google it, it now, now uh, there's like a big, you know, major label kind of outfit booking. I think the Beach Boys are doing one, and yeah. like they've got all these big, big names doing them now. Yeah. But Josh was he took the first leap That's and right. and he succeeded. So I, I hope I hope he gets some more opportunities to do that because it was uh, you know with other artists, give some other artists some some. An opportunity to experience that because it was definitely uh, the, the medicine that we all needed. Yeah, I saw the one with Switchfoot and uh, Hyrie at Petco Park. I brought my family there. Oh, how was that? It was cool. Kind of like you said, you know, flashing lights and honking horns and everyone had their space. Uh, a cool thing to experience. I don't know how long that is going to last, if that's going to be a nostalgic kind of thing or if it will continue on forever. What are your thoughts on that? I think that depends on covid this pandemic COVID. <laughs> yeah it, it, covid is really the man 
I mean, I think if everybody, if there was a vaccine and everybody was immediately danger free, uh, and there was no risk at all, uh, I think everybody that I know would say, Hey, I want to be next to you. I want to dance with you. I want to, you know, if you're listening to, you know, Metallica, I want to be in a mosh pit with you (laughs) throwing each other around. Like people don't, I don't think people like being so apart from each other all the time. It's not, it's not normal, dude. It's not good. It's not healthy. Um, I think on the other side of the spectrum too, though, I think once this all settles down and the vaccine is out, I think you're still going to have that small percentage. That's just like cautious of crowds. Yeah. For a while, dude, you know, for, for years, if not forever, you know, that's just my own insight. I think you're a hundred percent right there. There's going to be a psychological uh, blowback from this whole thing. Yeah. But I, I think it's a smaller percentage than you think. Cause I mean, now I, I just going outside, I, you know, I was out running errands today this morning before the call and I mean, traffic is coming back in San Diego, you know, <laughs> waiting in traffic. <laughs> I know. I couldn't believe it. Dude, we got what we asked for. No one wanted traffic. Yeah. You know, no one wanted crowds. We got what we asked for, man. For the for the first couple, you know, the like March and April, like San Diego was, it, it must have been for those those old school folks, uh, you know, that's probably what it was like back in the day. You just cruise down the road, you know, cruise up and down the five or on the PCH and, and there's just... You're not waiting at all, you know, and the 805 where I live, it can just be a total nightmare disaster. Like that's why I'm not living in LA. And then I move here and then I got to sit on the 805 and you're just, I mean, it's like LA, you know, you're, you're moving. Uh, and the other day, I guess this morning I saw it. And then, uh, I think two days ago I saw it. Um, it's just coming back. So I think people are, things are, you know, it's starting to normalize slowly. You know, we'll see how long that lasts. But uh, for music, for musicians, we've got a band aid with the drive-ins. We've got a band aid with the streaming. Um, there's a t- huge support network. People are are having little backyard parties. Uh, there's definitely a a little market for for like like what are they calling them micro events? <laughs> micro events. You know? Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen planners. Yeah, I've seen planners. Uh, on Instagram post about micro events. And there are, there is live music. You know, I'm seeing bands playing. It's typically, I can't name the venue, but recently a friend's band of mine played in an outdoor setting and everyone was seated at tables. It's not ideal, but there are events out there. And again, I just DJed a wedding, a hundred person wedding uh, last weekend. I was on the East Coast too, um, unfortunately for a, a funeral, but we we were uh i took my wife and kids and we just kind of you know uh we did some more outdoors stuff like uh you know state parks and hiking and stuff like that but i noticed that night you know in some of these uh, we we kind of went from you know all up and up the east coast and i noticed it's really different out there uh there i mean there there's bands playing inside bars and people not wearing masks and oh, wow. so I think California is definitely on the the stricter, more right. cautious side, with as compared to the rest of the country too. So I figure that might if be that's the an case, indicator, yeah. we can watch we can watch that and see what happens. Because if uh, if you know things don't get worse, hopefully hopefully we'll see things you know more opportunities for for live events coming up. But it kind of all depends on fate, like we were talking about in the beginning. You know, whatever 
the test is, I guess we still, we're still in the middle of it, so we can't see our answers yet. Right. Maybe there's a reason for this. You know, maybe it's, it's giving us a, a greater appreciation for things. Maybe it's helping the environment by cutting down emissions from vehicles. You know, maybe there is a greater purpose. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> it still sucks, but, you know, trying to stay optimistic. Yeah, and and we're not going to know. You and I probably won't know until it's all said and done 10, 20 years from now when some smart people actually have a way to analyze exactly what the uh, cause and effect was. But there's definitely going to be both negative and positive. Right. Uh, I hope we look back on this and and see it as a a very brief time in history. Um, I heard one scientist say that we'll look back in 10 years on 2020 and it will look good because of the way that uh, global warming is, is uh, progressing and the environment that uh, these are actually the good days. So, uh, you know, I can't, I, hope, I can't, quote, I hope not. I know. <laughs> I hope Dude, it doesn't I do get too. worse. Oh man. I mean, I have to say, you know, I've had the scariest times of my life, you know, as far as like, what am I going to do as the, as the husband and father, you know, how, how am I going to, you know, I don't have a nine to five that that was able to pay me benefits and I couldn't work right home from Zoom and still get a paycheck. So I really had to figure things out and it was scary and I don't want to do that again. Right. Um, but 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 on the but that was the negative. But the positive was, you know, I was home. I, I uh, one of my really wealthy clients were moving and they they gave me this incredible piano and I've never really learned how to play the piano. So I learned every song, Disney song, there is known to man. And I just sang them and played them for my little girls every day. And right. as nerdy and dorky as that sounds, I mean, that was, if I got to look back at COVID, that's what I'm, I'm going to remember that as one of the shining moments, you know, it's that quality time, you know, absolutely. when you're working and kind of in the, in the uh, thick of it all, there's not a lot of time for that, but it was totally. so you know yeah. we got to we got to look at some of these positives if we're going to if we're going to keep moving forward you know there's certainly the silver lining and i we me and you were kind of in similar boats i have a 7 year old i'm i'm homeschooling her you know and i think i'll look back fondly on these times as crazy as they've been and uh and yeah hey props to you man for stepping up and and getting the business training you certainly already had the talent and I think that's extremely helpful, obviously, bro. In the music industry, you do have to have the talent and the songwriting uh, skills. So uh, good job, dude. That's very inspiring. You make me want to step it up a notch. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, it sounds like you already have, man. You, I think the homeschooling, you, you, you just went up to me because... Uh, yeah, bro. What you got on that, Ryan? No. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think that's the one common denominator since my, my girls are too little. Yeah, two and four, you said, right? Yeah, so... Uh, my daughter will go into kindergarten next year, but I think all these parents that I'm friends with that have kids and they're, and they're the, the teachers now, and they're just like, oh my <laughs> God, this, we have got to go back to school. This is, it's because they got to figure out how to, you know, how, how are you supposed to work your nine to five job right. telecommunicating from on Zoom and then also be facilitating your kids' right. schoolwork, you right. know? And I guess these teachers are getting like, Instead of two pages of homework, they're giving them like ten pages a night. <laughs> so the parents are just ripping their hair hair out. So you're you're stepping it up too, my friend. I mean, we're all in this together. Thank you, buddy. It's been good talking with you, bro. Uh, we have to talk about the singer of Rascal Flats. I saw on social media that you uh, 
You collaborated with him. Is it Gary Levix? I think it's Levox. An amazing vocalist, and uh, you know, it had to have been a, a great opportunity and experience for you. It's really a, cr- a very crazy story. I don't know. I'm going to try to cut cut the whole thing down, but, but basically, I got a call from my buddies over at Gigtown, which is another great local uh, booking agency too here in town. And um, they were tasked with uh, a very unique situation. This a, a very uh, a client. Uh, how do I? I'm going to try to be very careful when I say here. Well, they, they were basically looking for musicians to back up Gary, right? For the most exactly, part. Exactly. But they didn't understand. And I'm sure any, again, musicians can have been in the situation where they wanted all a lot that they didn't understand like the logistics of how to make it work. So basically they thought like, well, here, listen to the, you know, listen to the album and then just play it. And and we and I had four days to do this. I'd, you know, people who listen to my music, they probably don't hear a lot, a lot of Rascal Flats in it, you know. But right, country, yeah, it was different for you. So how many songs in four days? Nine songs in four days, verbatim. You got your your dream team right together. Yep, I got actually uh, Kevin Cooper, the bass player, men- mentioned earlier, and then my drummer, who I've been playing with for for years, Jeff Jeff Burgess. I said, guys, can you do this? We are gonna have to literally just starting tomorrow like hash this out in the studio so we did you know we charted all, out all the tunes and we had four days to do it and then uh and then we 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 got on stage and he just got off the plane and wow and he was the nicest guy that you could possibly imagine he's making a lot of money to do this uh you know, a lot, a lot of money. And, um, was that a private event? Was, was there a crowd there? Was it a stream? It was a private event. It was a wedding. It was actually a wedding. A wedding. Yep. Okay. Got it. Wow. Yeah. Yep. For a billion billionaire client. Wow. Basically he gets off the stage, you know, he's got a rider, you know, and most he's used to doing these huge arena shows, you know, he's a huge platinum selling artist. And the only thing he put on his rider was gray goose and diet mountain dew. That was it. <laughs> that was it. That's so. I saw him. There was like a table with Grey Goose and Mountain Dew. I'm like, w- that's all you wanted, dude. <laughs> but crazy. They also put him up. I mean, they flew him up out. I'm sure in a nice plane, and he got to stay in a beautiful place. And but he just got to walk off right. the plane, and our band was ready. And and I've got some footage. I you just reminded me. I got a uh, one of the tunes. We kind of put our own like the whole time I was preparing this the songs. I I got to talk to his. Uh, his MD, his musical director, and make sure, you know, I would like record a little bit of rehearsal, say, hey, what do you think? And he'd give us a couple tweaks. And it's just hard because we sure. we kind of play, our band is more of a funky kind of a feel. We put a lot of kind of right. groove and kind of backbeat and, uh, and we had to really watch that because pop country is, <laughs> he the, the musical director said, it's like, throw, you got to go long. And what he meant is like, you got to just, Play yeah. the chord on the downbeat and just hold it for the entire measure. No, a, no accents, no rhythmic variation. It's just so that was that there was actually go. a challenge. Simp, playing so simple was hard for me. Uh, and it, when it came time to play, and I was my nerves kicked in, I just ended up kind of playing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna just do my thing anyway. But he Rad. liked it, and and we did the show. He was supposed to leave, and he said, uh, "All right." Uh, you know, great playing, blah blah blah, and the, and then he told me, kind of whispered, he's like, "Hey man, I want to keep playing with you." Yes. But then he left, and he never came back. So I was like, "Oh, we just, 
uh, he, we got the Nashville no, you know, that's like kind of an infamous way of they're so nice, but they're just like, oh, gotcha. Yeah. Right. Not, but anyway, so we packed up the stage. He comes back down. He's like, what you what are you guys doing? Oh, shit. So so we had to repack. We packed the stage all the way back up and we ended up jamming like all night. Wow. For this way. Yeah. Just hanging out. Yeah. We just hung out. He was the nicest guy. Really one of the nicest uh, people you can meet. So totally down to earth and. It was just a great experience. What songs did you jam out? Were you playing some covers or? Uh, all covers. Yeah. Just uh, we, I mean, you name it, like Black Crows. <laughs> we're playing Leonard Skinner, you know, just mostly like party, you know, party dance music. And he was, you know, he was like singing background. A lot of it, he was just singing background for me. Okay. Or just like singing with me, you yeah. know, dancing on the stage. I mean, wow. And the crowd, crowd was totally digging it. And it was definitely, uh, it was really a, a just a wow kind of is this happening kind of thing. I bet. How many people and then were the at that wedding? And the next day I was uh, back to Microsoft Teams playing into the computer screen. <laughs> Dude, what a cool what a cool experience. How many people were at that wedding? It was small. It was intimate. It was maybe 40. Wow. And I would assume the Rascal Flatts songs included their hits My Wish, Life is a Highway, yep. right? Yeah, the set was like I think the big the big thing was the couple wanted uh, God bless the broken road for the the first dance and then it was uh, yeah then we did my wish for the parent dances and then we did then we opened it up with all the hits yeah and then uh, wow the the one that I'm gonna put up uh, maybe I'll try to do it this week it's called praying for daylight yeah and it was um, it was kind of we did like a funky version of it. it was really cool the the we worked with it on the md totally unlike all their other tunes and that one turned out really that's right it was a really fun one unfortunately we didn't get any footage of the the jam session that was where i felt like all the magic happened because we weren't yeah the band including myself we didn't have our heads buried in the charts so right we kind of opened it up and just had fun and that's cool the, and the crowd liked it too i mean it was it was really a cool cool experience the guy's really nice that's totally cool. uh when when he was getting back into his limo or wherever to, to leave we were hanging out and he was just kind of shooting the shit with us and singing acapella wow and i i really kind of got a, a huge appreciation for how talented you know that dude just has crazy vocal chops he's amazing just out of this he, he's one of those those vocalists where you you like him or not i mean my wish I always play is like the mother son song. It's just he's yeah. he's a natural. He's got the range and he has the tone, just just such a natural. Yeah, that's really cool, dude. That's a great story. Um, and those runs, those like Christina Aguilera kind of like runs <laughs> yeah. where it's just, I mean, they just uh, note for note, like wow. just like a guitar player would rip a solo. He's hitting those notes just so intricately, in tune, on pitch, and so clearly. And he was just doing it very soft, like just messing around before he was before he left. Just you know, just the, there's only like maybe three or four of us hanging out and talking. And he would just he was saying, I guess he's doing uh, he's gonna do another album soon. He was singing up some stuff from that, and I was just like, wow, man, I gotta I gotta go home and practice my my singing a little bit. <laughs> we'll do a quick dream segment with you. All right, a few more minutes. If you could tour with any active musician. Who would it be? Ooh, geez, that's a great question. Hold on, let me think about this before I answer it too quickly. Joe Bonamassa. There you go. Right on, good answer. Have you seen him live? Yeah, and I just, I just love, love, love his, uh, 
uh, his style. I mean, there's a, there's a few others out there. Um, I guess the one thing I didn't think about Joe Bonamassa is that he'd probably be taking all the solos, though, you know? <laughs> True. <laughs> True. Good answer. Put together a dream bill for Friday night. So pick the venue here in San Diego and pick two other bands or solo musicians. Well, Johnny Tard be on there, and he he's uh he's in Wales. I think he moved to Wales though, or back to um back to England. It's all good. We're dreaming. <laughs> yeah, it's a dream. Um, Whitney Shea too. She was great. It was a blast playing with her. You know, you know, they're not they're more of a national, but I love. I think he is local. Carl Denson, T- Carl Denson, and the tiny yeah. That they're incredible. I love love listening to them. Awesome. And what's your venue locally? What venue would that that be at? What's your venue of choice here in San Diego? Man, it's kind of a tie between the Belly Up and uh, Winston's. Cool. Yeah, I saw you do some yeah. video at Belly Up recently, right? You shot some video there. Yeah, cool. yeah, I did a for this pro uh, this organization called Adapt Movement. They basically awesome. um, it was a fundraiser for them, and they they do uh, you know try to help. Um, people like learn, relearn how to use their whatever handicap. Sure. So people have been, you know, that lost, yeah, the use of their arm or something. They, they're, it's, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a really cool organization to look into. And cool. and basically, they did like a streaming concert with other things, but I was the entertainment, and they filmed it at the Belly Up, and it was, it was an awesome experience. That was my favorite uh, streaming kind of gig that I had during this whole time. Very cool. Moving on with our dream segment here. If you could bring a musician back from the dead for one final concert, man. Uh, you, you mentioned Hendrix, obviously. You mentioned Stevie Ray Vaughan. Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, died in a plane crash, right? Uh, what, 30s? Yeah. He, I mean, well, the saddest part is, you know, he struggled with uh, drugs and stuff. And he got clean and he did that Carnegie Hall show. I think I mean, I'm going to probably get screw this up and get some hate mail, but I'm pretty sure that's that chronology. And then yeah. right when he's got all these amazing things going for him and he's clean and, yeah. and uh, probably had so many more great albums and then that, that's when he died, you know, but, yeah. but I think that I just saw on, uh, I just read about it, that, that song, little wing, you know, Jimi Hendrix's little wing. I think his version of it is just, that's probably one of my favorite guitar pieces ever. And I guess he did that in one take. It was just one take in a studio. Wow. Does not surprise me. That guy is, his, his licks are just uh, incomparable. Yeah. I, I would have to say best blues guitarist of all time. Yeah. Easily. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. Yeah, great answer, dude. Good answer. Or Hendrix. Or how about both of them, bro? <laughs> oh, together. The only thing is like when Hendrix did that thing where he just like did a bunch of acid and then like just <laughs> kind of like burned his guitar. I... <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I don't. I didn't really want to see that. Like I <laughs> heartbreaking. I, and that's what kind of what killed him too. That's what like depressed him is he did that a couple times out of in an organic kind of you know feeling the whole like hippie vibe of the time. But then people were like, "Oh, did you see him do that?" And then he and then his label told him he had to do that every time, and it just screwed everything up. And I think that's what oh. what really depressed him. You know, because he because of course he was an incredible guitar player. Right. But just burning, smashing your guitar and burning it. Yeah, it's like I see not, what you, mean. you know. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. No, I see what you mean. I watched his death anniversary just passed, and I watched a little video about the night he died, and uh, they they claimed that they had to pump gallons of red wine out of his lungs uh, 
from his body. Yeah. So I don't know the actual cause of death uh, for Jimi Hendrix, but yeah, there, yeah, that's a conspiracy. I heard. Yeah, some people say he was he was like murdered and crazy but i don't know i i know that he did he there were interviews where he was like he was bummed out he was bummed that he was almost turning into like a gimmick like uh yeah you know because he really was the definition of an artist i mean his songs not only could he play the guitar but his songs were every i mean i play so many of his songs on my set and yeah and stevie ray vaughn i love stevie ray vaughn but he wasn't as really a songwriter like like jimmy was right you know so that's the thing about music is it's there's so many f- facets to it. There's you, songwriting and then, like Bob Dylan is a great songwriter. I can't stand listening to him play his own songs. Oh really? Um, I love Bob Dylan. I love Bob Dylan. I saw him live, both Bob Dylan and I think it was Chris Christopherson. I saw them both live in. Uh, I used to play jazz fest every year. I was in San Diego okay. or in uh, New Orleans, excuse me, and I heard someone playing. Oh, what, because I'm with you. I absolutely love Bob Dylan. I love all his songs. But I thought someone was up there like, I was like, is, did someone like sneak on the stage? They're like, are, is someone like trying to like uh, disrespect him? I, I couldn't believe it. And it was him. It was just so out of tune. And like, like literally like the guitar was out of tune. And I, I was just, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. And then, and then same thing with Chris Christopherson. But then I've heard him other times. Um, on live shows and like not in person where it was really really good and obviously the recordings are really good but it doesn't matter because he's the songwriter just yeah. like i'd say like christina aguilera is an incredible singer but i don't know as a songwriter you know what i'm saying like there's different every musician has like their strengths and their weaknesses <laughs> and there's only a few of them out there that can do everything like stevie wonder you know yeah absolutely man i would even put <laughs> Well, I mean, there's a lot of great singers, songwriters, but, you know, for modern day pop, Taylor Swift comes to mind. Yeah. I mean, I, I believe she's writing all of her songs and you can't argue that they're great pop songs. I mean, whether they're y- your taste or not, you know what I mean? But shake it off. baby. Um, <laughs> shake it off. I think she writes all of her stuff. But yeah, anyways. Yeah. Bob Dylan, I saw him at Humphreys about five years ago and he was just mumbling and he didn't play any of his hits. He pl- I think he played I think he played Blowing in the Wind, but he totally rearranged it so you could barely understand it. And he's he's got that real rebellious uh attitude, right? A little bit. Yeah. 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 That's what it is. I mean, and I'm not I'm not definitely not trying to talk shit on it. I'm just thinking <laughs> from a musical perspective. It's like Yeah. You know, it's just it wasn't in tune and it wasn't in time and it was just Maybe, but yeah. maybe that's what it was supposed to be artistically. Right. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> maybe that's the whole point. I don't know. I don't know. But but then you hear somebody like George Benson or somebody who can who's just like can sing and play the guitar like like a lightning bolt and writes you know incredible songs and does all three at once. So there. Yeah. But obviously you can't compare the two because his their songs are totally different. So I. Totally. I it's all just what sings to you and what moves you and, and, and recognizing that artists are artists and everybody can, everyone's got something to kind of offer, you know, to bring to the table in my opinion. Right. It's very, music is very subjective, um, which leads us into this next question. If you could wave a magic wand 
and make one band or artist never exist. Who would it be? Oh. <laughs> and not to hate, but who's someone maybe that you're not into or maybe a genre that you're not into? Uh, you know what I can't get into? Hmm. Mumble rap. Yeah, I'm there with you. Like Drake, Drake, like how he won like every single, and I just tried to listen to it and I'm sure I just, but maybe I'm just, maybe like, the kids are gonna be like, "Oh, you, you're 37. That's why." Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> we're like our parents were to Elvis, you know what I mean, or our grandparents were to Elvis. Yeah, exactly. So maybe that's maybe that's all that is. I actually love rap, and I love like hip hop, and especially the old stuff where you could under where you could understand the words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, it doesn't get any better than like the Tupac, Biggie, Snoop. Oh Dre, yeah, you know, I think you'd probably agree. But we're similar age. Yeah. But yeah, good answer. Yeah, the the tech six one nine, I think it is. Uh, oh, we'll, I can't, I can't stand it. We'll, we'll take him out now. I tell a nigga, don't dick ride, don't blink. Yeah. <laughs> Kanye West, I'm not really a fan. You know, I just, I. That's a can of worms. Yeah. That's a can of worms. Yeah, I just, I. There's been times in my life where I hated something and then I grew to love it. Like, you know, I hated jazz when I was a kid. Jazz was nails, nails on a chalkboard, and I got my degree in jazz. Um, when I was studying music in New Orleans, pop country and country in general was nails on a chalkboard. Met my girlfriend, now wife, and that's all she listened to. Yeah. I joined a country band, like a like a southern <laughs> rock country band back in the day in San Diego called the Tail Chasers, and we played for – and now, now I, you know uh. – I still don't turn on the pop country channel, but the old country is I'm totally in love with, like, especially like the Nashville guys, like Johnny Highland and Brent Mason and, you know, and all the old right. country singers. I just adore it. So uh, you grow to love certain things. And I think that's how I'm, there you go. that's why I would never say like, I hate this. I just, I just need to like give it some time because right now it's not my first choice. Sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm sure you have a new love and appreciation for Rascal Flats, right? <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Of course, I'm. I got to get some of those songs out of my ear because they were haunting me for a while there. Just... <laughs> <laughs> what a cool experience, uh, dude! A pleasure talking with you, bro. Um, one last question for you, Ryan. Where would you like to be in five years? Oh, geez, that's a great. That's a great question. I would like to be in five years. You know, um, growing, gr- kind of staying on the course and um maybe have another another album out by then and um maybe um continuing to play some of these bigger shows i love the just the momentum i love the path i'm on i i just uh in five years i'd like it to uh you know accelerate a little more and and have some opportunities to play on some bigger stages and continue uh you know filling some of these inner dreams you know so it seems like you are from my perspective you've really stepped up during these uh, trying times in the music industry so uh congratulations keep it up brother ryanhillermusic.com at ryanhillermusic on instagram are those your platforms of choice yes they are yeah. and that's another goal is to figure out instagram because i'm i'm terrible at it but i i will get it <laughs> That's on my to-do list, baby. <laughs> it's, all about the ha- it's all about the hashtag, bro. It's all about the hashtag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite song you've written that will end this episode? Oh, geez. That's a, that's, that's, it's like ask, it's a tough one. It's like well, your favorite <laughs> color. Um, <laughs> I'd, say, I'd say there's a couple songs around So Fast As We Can is off of Big Medicine, and there's some lyrics in there that kind of, you know, are, are a little relevant. And then 
there's a song called Push a Little Harder that I've been playing a ton this year. That was off of How It Works. One of my popular ones we did a music video, uh, Always Gonna Be Something. It's just kind of like, you know, you know, not one of my more deep songs lyrically, but uh, it's just kind of a fun song. And there's a couple lines in there that also to apply to the year 2020. So right on. I'd say it's a tie between those three. You couldn't pick one, could you? It's like picking your favorite <laughs> kid. It's like, hey, Ryan, which? <laughs> a little bit. It really bit. is. So we'll it do really the last is. one. Uh, Always going to be something. Was that the name of it? Yeah. Or, oh, so you're going to post it. I would say let's do the new one, Fast As We Can. Fast As We Can. Well, in this episode with Fast As We Can, uh, Ryan Hiller, real pleasure chatting with you, buddy. We'll release this in a couple weeks. I'll send you the link, and uh, we'll keep in touch, man. Real pleasure. Thank you for your time, my friend. We'll, we'll hopefully see you in person one of these days. Sounds good, dude. All the best to you and your family, man. I believe in the one who had a system. I believe in John simple line. And I don't believe in fairy tales of the information coming on the line.
fast as we can Two, three, four, pull out the loser, pull out the loser, we're talking to you, I'm pull out the loser. 